I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. And now, giving you access to the locker rooms and the minds of the independent scene, here are the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting. Mike Crockett. Actually, I prefer to be called Maestro. And the kingpin, Brian Malonis. He's the win, and nobody beats him. This is the wrestling podcast about nothing on the New Age Insiders Network. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 67, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's your wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast. Once again on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars. The irresistible force. The immovable object. The Beer City Bruised Kingpin, Brian Malonis. What's up, Mike? How are you doing? I'm fantastic. It sounds like it. <laughs> Rip-roaring, ready to go. Yes, yes. Well, it's a very early Sunday morning. I got things to do, places to be. I don't have the leisurely Sunday that you're going to have after we finish recording this. Oh, it's so leisurely, so leisurely. You live a life of leisure, buddy. I do. Well, today, <laughs> today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on the New Age Insiders Wrestling Network, we got our new friends standing by, Joe and Quinn of Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Well, maybe your friends. Oh, come on now. <laughs> We're going to be looking back at the wacky world of WWE slash WWF merchandising. That's coming up, plus your promo about nothing and a whole lot more. But first, last week, Brian, I was back in the ring. We talked about it on episode 66. Now the extended hiatus is back on, and uh, I can pretty much guarantee it won't be forever. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Brian. I don't think that's going to be my last match. Yeah, buddy. I, I know I don't rank very high on your list. It's okay. That's not, no, that's not what I'm getting at. It's, it's, not, it's not like a, uh, you know, a Michael Quinn situation, but you know. Well, I, I know when you're going to come back, when Brian Fury has his return match. Again? Oh, oh he, hasn't had a, he hasn't had a match yet. Okay. He hasn't had a match yet, but he's, he's only had four comebacks so far. <laughs> all, right, all right. Well, speaking of matches, last week on BDA Radio, you talked about your match, your last match for Ring of Honor. Well, not your last, but the uh, your most recent match for Ring of Honor Wrestling. It was on television this past week versus the Beer City Bruiser, and we talked through that entire scenario the entire night. If you want to go back and listen on BDA Radio on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed, you can hear Brian's take on uh, how his whole match went last week. How do you think the episode was, Brian? I thought it was good. That was a very, very good episode. Uh, it's always nice when... Uh you're on an episode with like the Bullet Club and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. It does, it does help. Well, Brian, a huge part of pro wrestling from the 70s and 80s to today is merchandising. T-shirts, 8x10s, stickers, posters. It means millions for WWE. Over 100 million, in fact, in licensing and merchandising just last year. Brian... You're peddling your own little shirts these days. What do you mean peddling my own little shirts? You know, you got a bunch of shirts out there with little designs on them and stuff like that. I'm sure you remember the first shirt you actually went out and bought as a fan. 
the first one that I bought, I bought myself or my parents bought for me? Well, I have seen a picture of you as a little Hulkamaniac at like five years old, right? <laughs> yes, yes. All right, we'll get more into this in just a second. Today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, we're talking the best and the worst WWF licensed merchandise and products from back in the day. And to help us are two of the best at looking back at the good and the bad of the WWF. They kind of burst onto the podcasting scene late last year with their own show, Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Joining us now, first we have Joe Morata. Hello, Joe. Hello, wrestling fans. <laughs> and, of course, his partner, Michael Quinn. Hello, Michael. Howdy doody. Howdy doody. I called you Michael and not Quinn. Oh, boy. Show's and over. It's over. We're out of here. <laughs> Want my money back. Thank you guys very much for joining us. Your podcast has popped onto the scene, as I mentioned, last year and has grown quite a bit from my perspective, from my vantage point anyway, <laughs> mind you. But I first heard of you guys through a fan that I'm sure that you're aware of. You've talked about in your podcast, a man by the name of Marty Howell. Yeah, Marty Howell, the glue that keeps this whole thing together. The super <laughs> fan. He is, yeah. I remember he sent out a tweet like some months back just talking about his favorite podcasts. He mentioned us. Brian, he mentioned the two of us, and he mentioned our vantage point. I'm like, what's this our vantage point? I've checked this out, and I did, and I have to say, great podcast, excellent Joe Murata, excellent production. Oh, thank you. And uh, it, it's just been a, a regular part of my uh, listening week. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I, I want to know, like, uh, what's your guys' background? I know you guys were, like, I don't know about lifelong friends, but longtime friends, right? Oh, uh, yeah, going on uh, 18 years now. Met, a long time. Met in eighth grade. And uh, yeah, we bonded over wrestling and we've bonded over it ever since, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we used to tape trade with each other. And, we did. Yeah, and that's kind of how we, we bonded and got into wrestling You know, together, stayed in wrestling together. Stayed in wrestling together. Yeah, let's say that. We didn't get in wrestling together. No. So you guys are, are you from Jersey? Is that where, am I correct? Yankee territory. Yankee territory, yes. And we recorded last week from Fenway Park. I'll have uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Did you flush? <laughs> we, were, wow. we were standing next to garbage at one point. We were recording. The fans? <laughs> oh, seems fitting. How dare it you? Seems fitting. How dare you? <laughs> but the, I remember when the Yankees were relevant. Uh-oh. Uh, ooh, yeah. Aaron Judge is nobody. <laughs> Flash in the pan. Oh, my goodness. All right. We'll see about that. <laughs> Back to your corners, gentlemen. Back to your corners. Um, oh, it's just starting with these guys. <laughs> Kingpin is mad at Quinn anyway. Yeah, you're already... You have a feud with me, right? <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe we'll get into that a little bit later on. But uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sure Crockett's saving something special for that. <laughs> he loves to instigate. Uh, that's what I do best. But um, when did you guys start actually watching wrestling? Was it the 90s? Yeah, for me, it was the summer of 94... Uh, right before SummerSlam, which was actually my ninth birthday, some friend or like not even a friend, like when you have to be watched because your mom works and <laughs> you see other kids during the summer and you don't know who they are. One of them liked wrestling and <laughs> showed it to me. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I had heard of Hulk Hogan way before that because every kid had. But I actually started watching during the new generation era. And somehow I, I hung on to it uh, to this day. Yeah. So that was, yeah, summer in 94. <laughs> It's like, yeah, you see T.L. Hopper on your TV, and I think, I have to see more of this. Like, yeah, what's... exactly. Oh, Quang. I love yeah. Quang. <laughs> Brooklyn Brawler. All right. day. My God. Hey, Quinn, how about you? 
So I was a little bit after, actually around, I want to say around Survivor Series 94-ish and into the Royal Rumble. I got into wrestling through a friend as well, lived in the neighborhood. You know, he had tapes of the pay-per-views that had just passed. And I got into it and I remember what brought me in was seeing Shawn Michaels win the 95 Rumble. It took me in forever. I was, I was the deal. Yeah, forever a fan of his and forever a fan of wrestling. And, you know, as I always say, it was terrible when we started. So and it just kept getting better. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's probably what kept us going all yep. those years. Just I, thinking it would get better. I agree. These were the days, too. Like you didn't tell people you liked wrestling. You kept it. You kept <laughs> it on the DL, as the oh, kids yeah. say. Once once it hit big in 98, then we were the cool kids. Yeah, then we knew all about it, right? <laughs> exactly. we, were, we were the experts. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was so jealous of that. It came a little after my time, as Brian, I'm sure, would uh, gleefully tell you. But uh, yeah, I, when, I, when I was in high school, yeah, it was, it was a dirty word, wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I was mentored by Killer Kowalski. Mike actually taught. Killer Kowalski. That's how to wrestle. So <laughs> interesting. That yeah, that doesn't really jive. But no, it doesn't. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll move on. Now, when did you guys first attend a show, and, and where where would that have been? For me, that would be MSG, the January '96 card. Uh, we had decent seats. My grandfather took me. It was a horrible undercard, but I do remember getting to see uh, Ringmaster Steve Austin. <laughs> I remember seeing Triple H there. I have like vague memories of it, and I think Brett was there, but I don't remember. We had to leave before the main event. I think Brett Diesel was the main event, but we had to leave. For me, it was um, Sayreville <laughs> High School Gym in New Jersey. <laughs> what? I remember the main event was Bam Bam Bigelow versus King Kong Bundy. Ugh. Yep, it was something all right. There wasn't many stars there. I think it was a charity show. I looked it up years later what was there. But yeah, it was back in the high school gym days in 1995, probably the summer of 95, hot, sweaty gym. Can you imagine now at this point in time, the WWF or WWE going to a high school gymnasium? It's just it's mind blowing that these shows happened with frequency, like with great frequency. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'm happy that I had the experience because not a lot of people can say they saw the WWF in a high school gym, like in those depths, like they were so bad at that point. Yeah, that's something to brag about, Quinn. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's all about perspective, Joe. You're right, you're right. right. I think the Morse me and Crockett might have seen was, uh, didn't we go to an event, Michael, that wasn't quite in the arena? It was like in the ballroom of an arena, right? Yeah, it wasn't at the Worcester Centrum. It was at the, yeah, there was like a smaller like annex (laughs) to the Centrum. It was all one level, and a buddy of ours, Warbeard Hansen, who's uh, doing uh, big things in Japan now, he was with us, and he was so upset because they couldn't even put the lights out for the Undertaker's entrance. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> they didn't have control of the lighting situation. That's how bad it was. So, gentlemen, we're here to give our take on the merchandise over the years of the WWF. Mr. Malonis, we talked about at the very top, the first piece of merchandise that you owned, but what was the first piece that you bought? Do you remember that? Well, for me, I mean, my heyday of merchandise was probably as a kid, so it probably was bought for me. But the the first thing I remember really cherishing was the, do you remember the old, like, foam belt from, like, the 80s? It was, like, the Hogan, probably 85 championship. I got this at a live event I went to. It was at the JFK Coliseum in Manchester, New Hampshire. And my parents were forever having to superglue the plastic plates back on because the adhesive just kept coming off every just <laughs> constantly. But I love that thing. I cherish that that championship belt. <laughs> Joe, do you remember the first piece of merchandise you bought? Uh, sadly, I do, but it was an accident. So <laughs> I'll, ex- I'll explain this one. 
So in mid-95, when uh, I got my hands on, I think it was the spring merchandise catalog where Diesel was the, you know, the champion and everything like that, I was still a big Bret Hart fan, even though he was being de-pushed. And I wanted the Hitman shades. They were on sale for $4.95. I'll never forget that. So I somehow convinced my mom or maybe my grandparents, I forget who, to let me mail in the little thing, you know, give me the money. And I want to get my Bret Hart sunglasses. Mm -hmm. In the mail about, you know, eight weeks later, come the Diesel sunglasses. (laughs) Oh. Which were just black sunglasses. (laughs) So I got sunglasses two months later that I didn't want, and I had them for years, but that was the first piece of merchandise I I purchased. He's a Bret Hart fan, Brian Malone. Do you have anything to say about that? (laughs) He likes repetition. Oh, no. Five moves of doom. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, Brian's take on the whole deal. Uh, (laughs) Mr. Quinn, how about you? Do you remember the first piece you bought? I had... I want to say it was like two pieces that came in the mail. I got them at the same time. I got the Shawn Michaels gloves. <laughs> okay. I was the biggest Shawn Michaels fan, the red uh, fingerless gloves, that, <laughs> which was always weird to me because he had black gloves, but I guess also the diesel gloves were black, so they made Shawn Michaels red. So I had those, and I remember wearing them while I was watching Sean uh, beat the crap out of bread at hey. WrestleMania 12. Hey, now. <laughs> One of my favorite moments. What I convinced my dad to get with it was the foam intercontinental belt. Oh, the good one. Which, you know, Sean had, because I got this before he was a world champion, sure. and, you know, I wanted to have the, the belt, too. So I got the foam brown intercontinental belt. And like Mike said there, the plates fell off. You know, like, I was always gluing mine on. What were you doing with that thing? I was hitting my friends over the head with it, of course. <laughs> you were hardcore. Yeah. I used to wrestle out in the uh, the backyard there. Yeah. You're saying you didn't, in fact, purchase the heart-shaped sunglasses? No, although I can probably say I wanted them. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed to say it. I was the biggest Shawn Michaels mark there is. Yeah. So. Is there a video somewhere of you doing the infamous Shawn Michaels dance as he took off his chaps? <laughs> I would not do the dance, but I would do the um, the pose. Kingpin wants to see that video. <laughs> There's actually pictures of me uh, watching WrestleMania 12 that were taken by my parents at the time and uh, us flipping out watching this like tiny 12-inch TV. Yeah, they, they sent 12. those pictures to hard copy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk t-shirts. That's the crown jewel, the big one, mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, merchandise, especially for you these days, Kingpin, I talked about a little earlier. What do you think is the best t-shirt that WWF slash WWE has produced? Malonis, do you have a take on this? I do. I, I think you think you know what I'm going to say. Yeah. But it's not what I'm going to say. Of course, you're probably thinking I'm going to say Hulkamania, which was a great shirt. But to me, the Randy Savage sunglasses shirt is, uh, to this day, still the best t-shirt WWF has ever produced. I have it as an adult. I'm so happy that they've recreated so many of these nostalgic t-shirts uh, for sale now. And I think that one is just, I think still to this day, I, I haven't seen one that I think is better. That is a, that's a good choice. Very good choice. How about you, Joe? What do you think? I think there's, there's two that come to mind. I'll give you one, and it has to be the original Austin 316 shirt. In the midst of 97, 98, I feel like half the audience was wearing that shirt or a variation of it at some point. And if not that one, the DX shirt, the original DX shirt actually was right up there too, as far as mm. it caught on with like a cult following, you know, probably just short of the NWO shirt. Those yeah. two. 
yeah, it's it's funny just how simple it was and yep. just how yeah, how huge it became. Brian, you're coming up with designs with t-shirts and stuff like that. It's something that's so simple you probably wouldn't even think of it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny, yeah, because you get it, it's it's hard to try to think of good t-shirt ideas, and then it's like you'll see. For me, it's like I see something and it catches my eyes and it strikes a chord with me. And I remember going through the process with you of my first t-shirt and trying to figure out what the hell we could do. Right. So, Quinn, what do you think? Do you have uh, any ideas in mind when it comes to like WWF, WWE, or even like WCW t-shirts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys hit the nail right on the head with, um, I would say the top two would probably be the NWO or Austin. And it's funny because they're like the same sort of design, the yeah. black and white, the simple. That was always, it was just iconic and the whole audience wearing it thing. It's just kind of, right. it just, it caught on. And I, I think the simpler designs yeah. are what catches on the most. Nobody wants a shirt with a bunch of crap all over <laughs> it, which is what they were trying to shill in 95 anyway. Yes. Like if you remember... It's always pictures of guys on them, right? I think it was always... Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's always the worst idea. <laughs> yeah, with all the, like, neon. Like, the one, obviously, again, I was a big Sean Mark. The first Sean shirt I could possibly see was that kind of bluish one with the, like, yep. neon. Like, yep. I, I think it was almost like the Heartbreak Hotel or something in the background. <laughs> like, what, I, what it did was, it say? It was, like, a sign for the Heartbreak Hotel, but it was... I feel like the, the reason the Austin and the NWO and the DX shirt caught on so much is because it was so simple and a reaction because the late 90s was kind of a reaction to the decadence and neon max moon everything of the early 90s and hair metal and acid wash. It was just like, no, black and white, wear the damn shirt. You want something you can wear to school not get made fun of, you know? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. Honestly, that's what you want as a wrestling fan. So I just thought the simple shirts, and I do agree with you guys, especially on that Macho Man shirt. Oh, and I in love fact, it. I had. I have one. He has the original, but I actually remember um, I had a Larry Sweeney one. Yes. The, 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 do you guys remember that? The remake of the. La- it was Larry Sweeney. Yep, sweet and sour. The sunglasses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, the Sweet and Sour Incorporated, whatever it was. I had that shirt too. And I, I just love that design as well. It is a fantastic design. And Brian, I will say Hulkamania is up there for me as one of the uh, best t-shirt designs. I'll, I'll say that for you, okay? Since I took yours? <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> and uh, when it comes to the worst, you guys were just talking about, I remember, Quinn, you were talking about these Shawn Michaels shirts. I remember those shirts in the early 90s that were the all-over shirts. Like yep, It's just yep. a big, huge picture of Shawn Michaels, <laughs> a big picture of Razor Ramon. Those <laughs> ones are pretty, yeah, those ones are pretty, pretty terrible. Malonis, do you have anything else in mind in terms of terrible t-shirt designs uh you know one, one of them i thought was uh, going back to the 80s was remember the captain lou albano shirt where it was like a caricature of <laughs> of him I thought oh yeah i do yeah stupid and ridiculous <laughs> did like who bought that shirt who the hell yeah. bought that shirt <laughs> you know another one that just came to mind i, I think the fans would want us to mention the hot rod t-shirt Oh, that's a good Jesus. one. That's a good yeah. one. That's yes. a good, yeah. I, I, I don't, I, we missed it. Wow. Yeah. I just thought of it right now when you said the Lou Albano. I thought of those early 80s. Yeah, the hot the rod shirt was pretty shirt. iconic. Yeah. Just the white shirt, right, with the hot rod on it. Yeah. That's up there on Mount Rushmore. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you. Uh, And for (laughs) worst designs, Quinn, do you have an idea in terms of a worst t shirt design that you've seen? Well, I'd mentioned those those shirts with the uh, the, the neon crap on them, but. But uh, I always thought any like 
I don't know if you guys are hockey fans because you're northern of us, but uh, the Bruins up there. But I, I just never liked um, the hockey jersey style shirts because I, I had like a Chris Jericho, the Ayatollah of rock and roll, and I always like regretted purchasing it. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I got it in the mail and I thought it was going to be the coolest <laughs> thing ever. And you went to school with me, Joe. I didn't wear it to school because I knew you guys would. <laughs> I knew you guys would make fun of me for it. I, and I always I regretted buying it. I would have warned you and told you not to yeah. buy. Honestly, <laughs> so yeah, definitely those those hockey style from like the later Attitude Era. I didn't. I never liked yeah. those. Yeah, not a fan. Yeah. How about you, Joe? Bad T-shirts. I was also thinking of those all over prints, especially that Bret Hart one <laughs> with the Target on it and everything. Yeah. Those things are expensive, though. I've looked on eBay because I just poke around with merch and stuff, and those all over prints of like Breton and Razor for some freaking reason go for like. You know, $65, $95, I guess because nobody bought them. <laughs> very rare. They were expensive at the time. They, yeah, and they were expensive at the time. It was yeah. 25 bucks. Yeah. I don't want There's that. There's crates and crates of these things at the, in the infamous WWF warehouse. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one we've talked about, Mike, that we should probably mention is the infamous Val Venus t-shirt. Yes, I was, was going to bring uh, this up. With a certain... Um, <laughs> Human, um, what's the word? Oh, what's the clean version of what I'm trying to say here, Mike? Well, the lettering was it. It made it look like it was written in in male bodily fluid in sperm. Oof. Yes, mm. I don't know if you. Do you say mm? No, I meant like uh, like okay. that kind of <laughs> bad connection. Bad connection. Okay, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that one was just. Like even in that era, I can't believe that got through the censors. Like, c- come on, they didn't care back then. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't. That's true. Could you? How many parents probably bought that friggin' shirt for their kids though? Not even like Vince how many McMahon. times as a kid did you convince your parents like, oh, just let me get this, and the, your parents don't know what the hell they're buying? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's true though. You're right. Yeah, it's really. I, I don't. I don't know. I, the who bought that, Brian? I don't think anyone because I, I went to look and it wasn't anywhere. I couldn't find proof that this t-shirt existed i had to go onto the network and take a screen capture from there <laughs> wiped There's, from the internet <laughs> yes erased from existence moving on from t-shirts you wanted to talk about a special thing that you did your your first uh, foray into uh physical fitness <laughs> yes <laughs> is that correct I, I i did the uh the hulk hogan workout set uh, which I still had a dumbbell probably up until about, I would say, five years ago, maybe. One of the blue, they had to have been like five pounds or something, dumbbells, which came with the wristbands, the headset. Mike, you, sh- you probably should try to find some of the audio and splice it in here of... Um, we think I am, Joe. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. How you doing, all you little hucksters? This is the incredible Hulk Hogan, the WWF heavyweight champion of the world, and I'm really excited about this new Hulkamania workout set. People have done videos where they, they're taking the audio out of context in these days, and <laughs> some of the grunts and the groans. and the <laughs> How does it feel? Are you doing it right? Look at the pictures if you have to. Kingpin, would you say that that workout set inspired you to get in wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> it inspired me to stay away from physical fitness. <laughs> All right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I remember Gary Michael Capetta did an announcement. What? Uh, uh, the Incredible Hulk Hogan. I remember that. And that is his old song, the uh, the old dun 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 That was on there oh, as well. 
Yeah, from Rock and Wrestling. Still my favorite Hulk Hogan theme of all time. Yeah? Really? It's it's good. I agree. I like Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, but the, the other one, the, Real the theme of Hulk Hogan, I think it's called, actually. Theme to Hulk Hogan. Yeah, theme to <laughs> Hulk Hogan on the wrestling album. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Keep on a pushing, man. Keep on a pumping. That's what it's all about. All right, well, let's talk about Brian wrestling buddies. You must have had one of these, or two, or three, or four. I did. I had Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. That was like a huge thing back uh, in the was it the mid to late eighties? Like late eighties or yeah, yeah, eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety. Did you have a wrestling buddy? Did I? Yeah, I had. Um... Oh, you mean uh, the WWF wrestling buddy? I was going to say my wife, but uh, oh, the, uh, oh my goodness, <laughs> the Ultimate Warrior. But again, it's a situation where someone that my mom knew had a kid that was older than me, and he's like, "Here, I don't like wrestling anymore. Take this." <laughs> and I, <laughs> I got a, the Warrior wrestling buddy from him, and I think I had that thing probably for, gosh, maybe ninety five, ninety six until. I might still have it in my mom's house somewhere. <laughs> I remember Brian, our friend again, uh, Hanson, he had like a DDP wrestling buddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. WCW produced something that was very similar to that at one point. I can speak for that because I had one. Oh, you did? I had the Goldberg wrestling buddy. Ugh. Because <laughs> like we were saying, we got into wrestling after they were a thing, but I knew of them. Right. Because we'd watch the tapes and, mm-hmm. you know, I had friends that had the older ones. Yep. And so finally, I, I when I found out they were releasing wrestling buddies, but WCW was doing, I was like, "Well, this is the next best thing." So I got the Goldberg one, and I think when you bent its arm, he would like grunt or something. Yeah, but Goldberg no sold everything. I think. <laughs> yeah, it was very anti Goldberg. Wasn't just, much. There was like no him. battery yeah, in it. Yeah. It just didn't even work. Yeah. <laughs> there was a contractual uh, statement when you bought the wrestling buddy that you you had to put it over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Essentially. Um, all right, let's talk about action figures, gentlemen. I remember you know, when me and Brian were coming up way back in the day, it was the LJNs, those big rubber wrestling. They, they're, you couldn't really twist them or move them too much. They were no. stuck in a certain position. You had mm-hmm. to work with it. But uh, the LJNs, Brian, you were, I'm sure, a huge fan of. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had, oh, my God. I, again, I had my collection up until a few years ago, and my brother sold it to a guy by the name of Brutal Bob Evans who works for Ring of Honor <laughs> and also sells wrestling figures. He sold all my collection, but... Were you happy about that? <laughs> <laughs> he sold that from under you? Uh, you know, I'd given it to him a long time ago, and I didn't want to say, no, give him back to me, because he wanted to sell them, and yeah, he sold them. And... But you wanted them back, is what you're <laughs> saying. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things now. If it's one of those if I ever came into a lot of money, and I, I would just make it my mission to collect everyone. That's the one thing I think I, I would uh, I would splurge on collectible wise. If if money ever becomes no object in my life, I would love to own the complete collection of LJN figures for sure. I still have the uh, the wrestling ring. I think it's in my parents' attic with just full to the brim. Just, all the figures are just kind of inside the ring, still just kind of sitting there. Did you have the big blue cage, Mike? I didn't have the cage, no. Oh, I had the cage. It was a piece of junk. We had to tie it together with shoestring. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. I remember my uncle, we were sitting at the kitchen table. I, was, I must have been five or six years old. And getting all excited, I'm going to play with my cage match playset or whatever the hell they called it. And did not, you know, hook together properly. And we and he had to, like, jerry-rig it with, like, shoestring and, you know, all sorts of stuff. But <laughs> damn it, we got it hooked up. 
<laughs> so guys, Joe and Quinn, were you around for the LJN thing or were you more the Hasbro generation? Well, my uncle happened to come into somewhat. My uncle was a rock and roll collectible dealer. Okay. Along the way, he happened into like a crate full of these LJNs. Uh, and mm. this is when I was already into wrestling. So I had Hogan, you know, where he's doing like the bicep pose. I had George the Animal Steel with like the molded on hair. I had Tito Santana, Don Morocco, Bob Orton and all that. So I had the LJNs. I wasn't interested in them because they, the best you could do was like look at them. You know, you yeah. couldn't do anything with them. But uh, <laughs> I definitely uh, had Hasbro's back in the 90s, but also I started collecting more of them around like 2000 for some reason. I think I spent 35 bucks on an atom bomb <laughs> in like the year 2000. But Jax was the main figures I had, which aren't as good as Hasbro's, but those are the ones that were out when I became a fan. Bone crunch in action? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. What about you, Quinn? Were you uh, Hasbro? You're, you're more in the uh, Jax camp as well? I was a little bit of both. Okay. So, and actually, I could speak to your LJN love, too, because I had the LJN WCW figures. Those were my first figures I had. I had a Hogan, Vader, Sting, and actually, Sting still hangs from the roof of the ceiling. The, the, the surfer Sting, not the Sting that should be hanging from Yeah, I'm looking but... at him right now. He's still in <laughs> yeah. our studio. Yeah, but... Um... <laughs> He's been there for about four years. Yeah, he just hangs there. But uh, yeah, so I did have some experience with those LJNs, and funny story, I remember... My Vader once fell on my PlayStation, and there's still on the original PlayStation, and there's still a mark of like the rubber from his head, like on the, on the PlayStation. So I always remember that he Vader bombed your PlayStation. Yeah, Did he call himself a fat piece of shit afterwards. Oh. Well, it was a WCW Vader, so he wasn't there quite yet. Oh. He, was, he, he was getting there. He was actually good. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I also had Hasbro's and. I got those, again, from a family friend, didn't want them anymore. I had a whole crate of them, <laughs> tons of them, Duggan, you know, Hogan, you know, you name it, they were in there, Andre, Dusty, Sean, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Snooker. I kind of have all the figures because somebody passed them. They filled the gap for me with the Hasbro's. And most of my figures, though, were the Jacks. And I had everything with the Jacks. I had the rings. I had the Titan Tron that you put the figures on Ugh. and the music would play. I had like <laughs> dumpsters, ladders. JR? Did you have JR? I didn't have JR. I had JR. I had Paul White like in like a Paul, shirt. What do you no, mean Paul White? No, but I, this, this is why it's funny. It was the long-haired Paul White with jeans and Stop a shirt him on. Paul White. That's what he was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure on the packaging it said Paul White. Yes. Yeah. It was Paul White at that point. Whatever. Remember when he first came in? That's <laughs> ah, Paul White! <laughs> yeah, exactly. The big nasty! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was Paul, because I had a big show also, but that's not the same as Paul White in action figure land. So. Glad we cleared this up. Yep. Do you guys remember the hysteria over the Razor and Diesel figures? They're like yes. the first series the of, of Jacks, but they were a limited release. And Yes, totally do. The deal was they came together? Yeah, but it's not only that, it was a variation because the original razor, I think, was like purple or something, or I don't remember the color, but the tag razor was the gold attire and Diesel's singlet said Big Daddy Cool. And dealers in flea markets nationwide were trying to rip kids off with this shit. <laughs> so what you were saying, it was the fake razor and fake Diesel <laughs> yeah. instead. Action figure set. Quinn wins. Quinn wins the show. <laughs> but yeah, I, I came in with the LJNs. I was a big LJN guy. And then I got uh, you know, I got too old for that kind of stuff. 
got too old for those uh, those those playing with dolls. dolls. (laughs) So uh, I I didn't collect any of the Hasbro's. I didn't buy one of those Hasbro's. Then I came back for Jax though. I did I did uh, get some of the uh, Jax figures. I I just basically stuck to like. I like to have the first issue of 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 a guy. Like I have the first Stone Cold figure. I have the first yeah right right uh, Brian Pillman figure. That's kind of what I stuck to. You know, one thing I noticed about the the Jack series. I don't know if anyone here will remember, but the original ring that they released with the Jacks line, the monster ring they yeah, called. Yeah, I remember. It, it was it. the LJN ring. Yep. Yes, exactly, Brian. Yeah. It was the LJN ring. It was way too big for the figures, but they still owned the mold or something. What was cool about that, though, is because I had those WCW figures, they fit in it, and that was actually the first ring I had before I received the Hasbro ring. Well, so look at you. Ha. <laughs> Quinn is just making us all look bad here. <laughs> I lucked out. I lucked out. I was an only child, you know? <laughs> I mean, current day figures, though, how amazing are the new Mattel figures? Like, I, I look and I'm like, I hate the kids of today. The, the, <laughs> oh, it's sickening. Yes. Their, their, their wrestling figures are so awesome. All the points of articulation. I, I even like they have accurate props now. For a while yes. there, it would just be when they came with props, it would just be the most random shit for <laughs> for, for, the, for these guys. Like a chain. Yeah. Yeah, it'd, be like yeah. a, it'd be like a ladder that's yellow. It You'd just... be like, what, where does that exist in wrestling? <laughs> where does that exist in the world? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, still to this day, when I ever go to like a Target or a Walmart, I always go and check out the figures. I even take pictures of them. I put them on Instagram at the WPAN. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't buy them anymore. But I still go and look. I, I'm actually tempted to buy them at times. I see like that's all this twenty dollars a piece now. Is it that much? Yeah, yeah. For some like, of them for like the deluxe ones, they're eighteen or nineteen dollars. Jesus Christ! Well, it yeah, looks <laughs> like all of them now is a collector's item. Like that's the thing that happened to the figures. Now it's like the only time I ever see them, it's like this big. It's not a toy anymore. It doesn't seem like they make them a toy. That's a good point. You know, you, you ever notice that it's always like retro legends, ultra <laughs> silver flare collection or Turbo. some shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they know who has the money. They're smart. Yeah. The kids don't have money. <laughs> right. Mm. When I started buying the jacks, I never opened them up. Did you guys open up the jacks and you know? Oh hell yeah. Broke, yeah, definitely. Broke them, painted them. <laughs> yeah, my Shawn Michaels leg was falling off from super kicking people. <laughs> Another excuse not to job clean, huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Does the figure also lose its smile? Uh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> it wiped right off, huh? Quit, yeah. I, I actually, uh, this past weekend, the episode aired, but I, I, I wrestled in the building about a month ago that Shawn Michaels lost his smile. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> uh, Little Quinn, just the tears streaming down his face when that happened. Do you know sure. all the words to tell me a lie? <laughs> <laughs> I saw it a lot. I watched it a lot, but I don't remember the words. Oh, uh, one day. Unfor- yeah, unfortunately. Oh, that's, that's sad. <laughs> or fortunately. Uh, <laughs> either way. Well, let's cheer everybody up with uh, WWF ice cream bars. Mm. How oh. tremendous were these, Brian Malonis? I love them. I, 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 I don't know if I texted you or I, I jokingly said to somebody, we were at the 4th of July fireworks and there was an ice cream truck and I, I it must have been to somebody, I think it was my brother I said it to, I said, I still, to this day, have that little glimmer of hope that when I go to the ice cream truck that they're just going to magically have <laughs> WWF ice cream bars because I loved them as a kid. They were amazing. I don't know how amazing they were. I might have one now and be like, this tastes like shit. But <laughs> as, a, as a kid, I loved them. I thought they were... I, I remember whenever the ice cream truck would come around, my parents would usually buy a few of them just to keep in the freezer, you know, so I could have. Yeah, they were great. It was like a, I guess, a vanilla cookie 
with a picture of a wrestler printed on it, yep. and it was vanilla ice cream behind that, and then uh, milk chocolate around the whole back. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was really tasty. Yes. And it also came with a trading card inside the box. Yep, it sure did. Which is nice. And you, you guys were around for the, uh, for the ice cream bars? Well, here's the thing. Okay. Gentlemen. Uh, so <laughs> another story from Joe here. I lived very close to a very bad mini mart in the 90s. And Quinn knows the mini mart I'm talking about, yes. but he didn't live there yet. So this is probably about 94, 95. <laughs> this mini mart was infamous for, let's say, not probably keeping up with the FDA, so to speak. Gotcha. <laughs> and I remember going in there, the only ice cream bar I ever had. In this ice cream bar, let me put this in perspective, is a picture of Bam Bam Bigelow, the face, wrestling Andre the Giant from 1987. <laughs> what year is this, Joe? This is like 94. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I ate. I don't know who was on it. It could have been Greg Valentine, for all I know. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what year, what decade, what presidential administration <laughs> that thing was from. But all I remember is being mystified at this card of Bam Bam Bigelow as a face, you know, the Humperdinck version, yeah. <laughs> wrestling Andre the Giant in like yeah. 87. <laughs> so that's the only experience I have with them, and uh, that's probably a good thing. So you're saying it didn't taste good? I don't remember. It probably tasted fine. <laughs> I'm sure. Had the cookie. So there were so many chemicals in those things, I'm sure. Yeah. It was. It's not food. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's actually made out of the same thing as the championship belt replicas. Yeah, probably that foam. <laughs> Just repurposing. Yeah. Exactly. Didn't they rebring them back out, though, at one point in the 90s? Oh, they brought the belts back a million times. No, no, no the, ice the, the, the ice cream. Oh, the bars. ice cream. Uh, they I did think it recently so. with CM Punk. I don't. Yeah, they did do a punk, but I don't remember the '90s version. They probably did. I just don't remember it. I think they did. I don't. I don't remember ever. I think I might have had it once or twice, but I don't remember. It wasn't around for a long time. But I think like yeah, the mid maybe late '90s. I think. I, yeah, I guess. Well, I just can't imagine that like '95, like Vince struggling to stay afloat is going to spend his money on frozen dessert treats. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they were around because my experience with them was that the actual ice cream man had them. Like, not much. I don't have the much ice, ice like the one and only the ice actual, cream man, the guy with the you know with the hello truck and all that with do, the music. Do, yeah, do, do. exactly. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> exactly the that stuff. <laughs> yeah, he had the. I used to get it all the time. It was a one dollar. It was at the, one at the ice cream truck. Yeah, so they definitely had him in the mid nineties. I don't know who was I, on them. That's the thing is I don't remember Don Morocco. Like <laughs> what was going on there? Yeah, I, I, it was probably just Hulk or something. But I don't know from why. The, where did they pull that from? I'm thinking they just kept producing. What them. Craig DeGeorge on there interviewing people? Uh, Sean Mooney. <laughs> well, the, the whole the whole like story with these things because they went away was they were done by like a small like creamery or something and they couldn't keep up with the demand or they could some there was there's some like weird story along hmm. those lines where they it, it was just a small time distributor of them i think i heard a similar thing that makes sense yeah too bad but it was a great treat a great treat how about pogs <laughs> <laughs> to just do something completely completely different yeah uh, i was beyond the era of the pog which was huge in the mid 90s WWF had a version called Madcaps. Joe, uh, I guess I should go right to Quinn. He seems to be the new mayor of merchandise. <laughs> Not Barry Dodinsky. It's it's Michael Quinn. <laughs> Did you have Madcaps? 
Tell me you had madcaps. I didn't have madcaps. Oh! I, I had regular pogs because I wasn't buying what Barry Dedinsky was shilling out because I, <laughs> I, I, I knew immediately he called it madcaps. I'm like, that's not pogs. <laughs> like Pogs say pogs on them. You know, they had the official pogs. You knew they were imitating. You were an angry child, huh? Well, I was all, I was, you know how you guys were saying about having the original version of something? I was the same way with most toys. Like with the turtles, for example, I would like, I didn't want any of them with all the like BS costumes. I I just wanted the costumes too, but I had the originals first. Yeah. So it's the same thing with my wrestling stuff and the same thing with Pog. So So you didn't buy what this uh, Barry Dodinsky was selling. That's a shame. Well, he did get me with a couple of other things, but we can go into that later. <laughs> I had them. I definitely you had, had, you them. had the, the madcaps? Uh-huh, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I got my free gift oh. from the video store. You know how Todd Pettengill would always say, hey, did you get your free gift yes, yes. when you rent a Coliseum videotape? So I wandered into Spotswood Video <laughs> in 95. I was going to get Rumble 95 because I didn't order it on pay-per-view because I was 10 years old, 9 years old, and... My mom wasn't going to spend $30 on some crap. so That's a good one. Sean <laughs> wins at it. Quinn. So <laughs> I go in there, and the lady there, the only time this ever happened, and I went to this video store for like seven years until it closed. The only time this ever happened, she's like, oh, you get a free gift with this. And she gives me like a sheet of pogs, where, huh. you know, like, and you punch them out individually. And I forget who was on there, but I definitely had them. I definitely had WWF Pogs, Matt, Matt Caps, whatever they were called. And I got them all because I rented Rumble 95. <laughs> and did you play with the? How does a game of Pogs work? Well, you have a slammer, which is usually a heavy metal or plastic piece. And you keep the Pogs upside down, and the object is to hit it and flip them. My favorite slammer, by the way, was a picture of OJ Simpson behind bars, <laughs> and it was called OJ in the Slammer. How 90s of you. <laughs> <laughs> it was relevant. It was OJ yeah. Tile, Judge Cheeto. Yeah, Judge Cheeto. You mentioned Coliseum Video, mm-hmm. Joe. Yep. That was just a huge part of the, the 80s and 90s. That's where I saw a lot of my wrestling by oh, going yeah. to the old local video store down the street and uh, renting Hulkamania Volumes 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> um, Brian, were you big on the Coliseum Home Video? I use I use had mostly the pay per views. I never got any of like the Slam Tour '97 or any of those like compilation ones or whatever. That's not a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds made up, Brian. <laughs> how about you guys? You had a lot of the uh, the Coliseum home videos. <laughs> that's that's how I, uh, you you said it, Mike. That's how I learned a lot about wrestling. That's how I watched a lot of stuff that wasn't the pay per views, and that is how I became so familiar with the dulcet tones of Sean Mooney and Lord Alfred Hayes. <laughs> yes, and we told Sean that when we had him on, and he w- he had no idea that people liked that stuff, which is the funniest thing. I mean, me and Joe were impacted. This is how we learned about the history of the WWF yes. through these tapes, through Coliseum Video, either pay-per-view re-releases or, you know, WrestleFest 90. or Right, which or, is real. Yeah. Not to mention the home server we have yes. <laughs> where we have uploaded a ton of Coliseum tapes that we legally own yeah. so we can watch them at our convenience on our Apple TVs. Yes. Oh, well, la-di-da. Yeah, we are like the super fans of Coliseum Video. Yes. Yeah, and they always had like weird things, like uh, weird vignettes with Sean Mooney and uh, you know Johnny Polo and uh, yep. Lord Alfred Hayes. And I remember Todd Pettengill would give uh, video game tips. <laughs> yes. Oh God, those for NBA Jam and yes. stuff like that. Yeah. True Lies, the video game. <laughs> yeah. You press B. Exactly. Real crossover there with True Lies. <laughs> 
Todd Pettengill's very underrated. I love Todd Pettengill. He's not bad. He's no Mooney, though. Mooney's the best <laughs> yeah, I version. Like, I like the Toddster, though. I like Todd. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I went out to Arizona last year and flipping on the news, and, and I'm pretty yep. sure it was Sean Mooney, who was like an anchor. Totally is. Yes, it is. And Yeah, in the Tempe, Phoenix area yep. in Arizona. Right on the money. That's exactly what he does. Yeah, and that's where he's originally from, I believe, as well. Well, he's well. from Rochester, and then he moved yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. And now he has a podcast. Yeah, and yes. the source is our podcast. That's where yep. we learned all this stuff. What do we got that idea? Uh, I don't know. He credits us. He yeah, does. It was a great interview you guys did. Make sure you go and look that oh, up you. on uh, the Our Vantage Point feed. The Sean Mooney interview is a special podcast that you guys put out there. It's the only reputable thing we ever did. Yeah, it's the only <laughs> legit thing we did. <laughs> the only journalism you'll find on our show. <laughs> All right, well, to get down to the uh, nitty-gritty here, wrap this thing up. The best piece of memorabilia of merchandise that the WWF slash WWE ever put out. Brian Malonis, what do you got? Give me something. Wow. You're on the spot. Putting me on the spot here. Wow. Um Mike, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> you were prepared. I, I you didn't read the thing. Well, to go first. I don't know. I was <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I, I mean, we're talking merch. I, I think the figures, man. For me, the LJNs, I, I loved them. That's my childhood. That is, you know, that, that's when I madly fell in love with professional wrestling so much to the point that I've spent my entire life chasing an impossible dream. That's, you know, to me, like the, the 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 figures are are it. That's where it's at. Specifically, the LJNs, and and you know, if I wasn't sitting there playing with LJNs, I, I probably would have never fell in love with wrestling, and and probably would have never pursued this dream. All right, well, I'll accept that answer. All right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Quinn? Quinn, what do you think? Is it the fingerless gloves? No, <laughs> no, not the fingerless gloves. Actually, it's something we didn't mention. To me, that kind of kept me into wrestling and helped get me into wrestling, the video games. Ah, you took mine. Uh-huh. Uh, so we'll team up on that then, because okay, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, the video games, I agree. they were huge for me, because yep. I, I, you know, I started playing them on the Super Nintendo, and... I always said that video games and wrestling go together so well because when you put a wrestler in a video game, it's such a good like approximation of a character. A wrestling character can be like a video game character. And sure. I, I always thought that the video games did the best job of portraying the characters, teaching you know fans who didn't know about the wrestlers, the characters. Yep. And I think the video games are still going today, and they're probably their strongest piece of merchandise overall. I agree with you. And when it comes to specific video games, which era is it? The uh, a lot of people love the, and I do as well. The Nintendo sixty four era with uh, WrestleMania two thousand with No Mercy. Is that what you're talking about, or is it more uh, the ones going on today? I think the N sixty four ones are classics, but I actually do think the whole thing came of its own in the SmackDown era because they became more accessible. Absolutely. Totally so, agree with that. And they brought in so many more fans. But I would say this. I played Royal Rumble for Super Nintendo before I ever watched wrestling. Yeah, and the s- same here. You know, the wrestling games just kept getting better. Right. And I think they hit their peak when they got to those SmackDown games because they were more accessible. Some of those SmackDown games on PlayStation 3, I guess it was, right? Or even 2. Or 2. Yeah, were, and even 1. Awesome. Yeah. And revolutionary. And yeah, I, I would agree with you, Quinn. That's probably the best piece of merchandise in general they put out. I think one of my great disappointments with the NES Mini they brought out was it's not a WWF licensed game, but they didn't put the the old pro wrestling NES game on that thing. That is a good game. It is good, That's Tecmo, I think, isn't it? 
I think it's Nintendo made it, I think. No, I thought it was Tecmo. There was Tecmo World Wrestling, which came later, but the original oh, okay. Pro Wrestling, yeah. yeah. Pro Wrestling, yeah that, yeah, that is a good game. Those black box games. The yeah. WWF WrestleMania, the first Ugh. one on NES, sucked. Oh, that game was horrible. Awful. That's the <laughs> awful game. Awful. Actually, Joe once, uh, he made a videotape for me, <laughs> and he um, he God. clipped it, and he said it was an unseen match of Hogan and Andre, and it clipped to <laughs> WrestleMania for NES, them fighting each other. I'll always remember that. <laughs> And he, he he tricked me with it too because he put it on one of my tapes that he was he would you know give me matches and stuff on tapes and he just gave me the tape and I put it on. <laughs> one of my favorite memories watching a, some random Coliseum tape not being in there with the Andre hand power up in the background. Yes, trip. that's what that was. I thought it was a ham or <laughs> something like that. Pork chop. Yeah, what was that? It's absolutely terrible, is what it was. Uh, yeah, I agree with you guys there. The, the video games is something I didn't even mention here that is a huge part, especially these days of WWF merchandising, WWE merchandising, I should say. Now let's get to the good stuff, guys. The worst WWF <laughs> slash WWE merchandise. Joe, how about you start this time? Anything come to mind? Yeah, those fucking denim jackets. Those <laughs> denim yeah. jackets from the mid-90s that were like $120. Yes. Why? They- yeah, they were really expensive. They were like $125, they I think. They were so expensive. Yes. For a denim jacket, with, what did it have, like a little emblem of a wrestler on it? I don't no, remember. It had like full pictures on the back of like That's The Undertaker and stuff. I don't want that. Yeah. Who bought that? 90s people. Quinn, you didn't buy it? I did not buy it. Okay, okay. Just checking. There's more horrible stuff I bought as well. <laughs> like what? Like what? Let's get into it. I would say one of the worst things that I bought was a full-size cardboard cutout of Shawn Michaels. Okay. <laughs> and that was 6-1. It's in my bedroom forever. Just watching you as you did ungodly as things. You sleep. Yeah. Did you tell him a lie? <laughs> yes, I did have a Shawn Michaels full-size cardboard cutout. I would say that's definitely the worst piece of merchandise I've ever owned. That's the one, huh? Out of everything. Not, yeah. not even the fingerless gloves. You like those. Those were cool because they look like fight gloves. Like Brock Lesnar wears cool gloves now. I, to me, those were what those were as a kid because, you know, your hands are small. <laughs> you know? Nothing says badass like cherry red gloves. Yeah. When... <laughs> it was a s- different time, Joe. <laughs> it definitely was. It's never coming back either. It's no. Ne- there's never going to be any retro fingerless red gloves. <laughs> yeah. We'll be doing the Retro Figureless Gloves podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never happening. Um, what about those huge, oversized foam cowboy hats that they had for the smoking guns? Oh, yes. The Macho Man ones, right? <laughs> guns, smoking they guns. Had, they had a Macho Man one, too. But uh, originally, I think it you was had the one of those, guns. Mike? I did not have that. Of course not, Brian. Don't uh, don't be foolish. <laughs> there is, always happened to be a couple of fans in the front row wearing these hats that they would get on camera. I'm not sure if, uh, no, of course they didn't purchase them. Of course they were given them to wear on camera, but I don't think anyone purchased the, actually, Brian, I think I remember Tarzan saying that Marcus had bought a smoking guns oversized hat. Of course he did. (laughs) Yeah. Those looked terrible and, I wouldn't be caught dead in one. <laughs> no. But uh, Hey, kids, you want to look like a sealy posturepedic? <laughs> <laughs> weren't, weren't they neon green, too, those hats? The macho was, I think. The yeah. smoking yeah. guns one. Probably poopy brown. <laughs> it, it was like reddish, I think. Okay. Yeah, some uh, some kind of red. But uh, that that's Ugh. what came to mind for me. Brian, 
We've given you some time this time. We didn't come to you first. <laughs> what do you think? The worst piece of WWF merchandise you've ever seen. I think the old, and they still freaking make these things to this day, and I will never understand them. The foam hands or <laughs> all the different, you know, foam things they've come out with in general. The I, I think, didn't Billy Gunn have like, wasn't it like an ass cheeks? Like, <laughs> there was? Billy Gunn, I'm pretty sure there was. Like, I don't know if there Billy was. Gunn, there might have been. Foam butt cheeks that they had <laughs> at, at one point or any of the foam fingers. Like, How about the foam urn? <laughs> foam urn, yeah. What Basically, anything made out of foam. <laughs> I I had one actually. I had the foam Degeneration X logo. That, Why? Because I, I was at Raw in like '98 or and whatever. And that's what you bought? Yes, that was the thing I wanted. Was the foam? It's useless. Yeah, it's it's the stupidest thing ever. Because you know how those foam hands you can put your hand. Yeah. You put your hand in it like it's a foam hand, but it's just the DX logo. Why would you do that? <laughs> I don't know. I was. Ten or something. Doesn't matter. I think they had a foam like dug in two by four at one point yes. too. That's yes. okay, right? I mean, that that's, one's not bad actually. That's a bad. That's a good piece of foam. <laughs> if you're gonna make something out of a piece of foam, at least it's like something you can hit someone with. Yeah, and not an ass. Like, <laughs> the, the foam tomahawk too for a uh, Tatanka. Yeah, it was yes. silly though. <laughs> Who cares about Tatanka? Don't they, didn't they? That was just like a repurposed Cleveland Indians foam. Indian. Was it? Uh, that's what it looked like or to Atlanta me. Atlanta Braves. Atlanta Braves or you something. Know, yeah. Don't be racist. You know what I say? You know what's really missing from pro wrestling and uh, nowadays is all the subtle racism and, and not so subtle racism. <laughs> I know that used to exist. <laughs> it's part of the wrestling tradition, all it, the way back to the Goldust Trio. It is very much so. Toots Mont. Well, big racist. <laughs> well, on that note, gentlemen, <laughs> uh, Mike's uncomfortable. <laughs> hey, you guys called us. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, well, it's been great to have both you guys here. Uh, of course, Joe Morata, Michael Quinn from Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Why don't you let everybody know how they can uh, follow all of your musings online? Sure. Well, you can go to the Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can, of course, email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. Quinn, we have a website and places to subscribe. OVPPodcast.com. Easy enough. Uh, you can go on there. You can get links to anything that we're on. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, as they call it now, or iTunes, whatever you call it. Google Play Music, Stitcher, Blueberry, you name it, we're on it. Not auto? Not auto. Yeah. No, we are on auto. <laughs> who Otis, cares? whatever they call it. Yeah, who cares, right? Um, Facebook, Quinn. Facebook. Yes, we are on the Facebook. We have a Facebook group where you can chat it up with our fans. And, Including Mike Crockett. Yeah, I think Mike I'm Crockett's there. on there. All you got to do there. is hit the join button when you search for our vantage point, and we will approve you. Mm-hmm. We have nothing better to do. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, yeah, it's been really great, guys, to uh, finally you. be able to talk to you. Yes. And uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah, and hey, give some big wrestlers a chance. You might be surprised. <laughs> yeah, we alluded to it at the top, but uh, Brian's had a little beef with you guys, especially Quinn, ever since he heard you guys kind of bagging on big men in wrestling. Well, Quinn likes big wrestlers. Yeah, that's. I think it's funny <laughs> that you think I don't because I am like the biggest Vader mark in the universe. Like I and love Vader, Vader is a big fat yeah. piece of you know what. Yeah, as he <laughs> says himself. So. And I'm a, the biggest Yokozuna fan. Yeah. Hey, 
Yoko's good, Quinn. <laughs> uh, Yo- Yoko, Yoko was very good. Thank you. I don't know. It doesn't come across like that on your podcast when I've listened. We love big no, guys. We like. We like. I'm we a big really Mark do. Henry fan too. Actually, big Mark Henry fan. Er, John Tenta. Yeah, big John Tenta. Of course. King Kong Bundy. Mm-hmm. Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, you name them. We just don't like people with no talent that are big. Yes. Kamala. Yes, like Kamala. <laughs> Definitely like Kamala. I wrestled Sorry. a match against Kamala once. So. <laughs> Sorry. Actually, I'm t- I, I, that's, that's a lie. He was my partner, actually. That's really? And and on the other team was Ace Cowboy Bob Orton, and I blew a spot with him. So. <laughs> Did he go. hit you with his cast? <laughs> I wish he had the cast. I would have taken that all day. <laughs> Oh, it finally healed. <laughs> Thank God, but only by the, only by the grace of God. <laughs> well, it's been great talking to you guys about merchandising and all that stuff. And you can hear more about wrestling back in the day, wrestling how it should be on the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys very much for coming on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing today. No problem. Thank you. Thanks, you fellas. It. Okay, guys, we want your feedback. Every week we do something called Merv Griffin Time, a talkback segment where we interact with you, the listener. So tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our discussion about WWF merchandising, uh, your thoughts about our buddies Joe and Quinn from our vantage point. Let us know what you think. Use the hashtag WPAN. We'll mention you and your tweets later this week because every Thursday, it's an all-new, all-different episode of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing for BDA Radio. You can vote at the WPAN on Twitter Monday nights to decide what we discuss week to week. Plus, we've got some old tricks up our sleeves you know, for other stuff, so be sure to check it out every week. I'm not even sure what that means. also you can download past episodes of this podcast as they come off the nai wrestling network feed they get added over there it's all on the wrestling podcast about nothing feed on your favorite podcast platform or you can find it all at bdaradio.com but that's another show mike i gotta say you are nailing this new rebranding I'm trying. I'm trying. (laughs) Neville's going to be happy. A way you can interact with us right here on, uh, wait for it, Brian, the New Age Insiders Wrestling Network every week (laughs) is through our voicemail line. We want to hear from you. Get your voicemails in. We will play them on the podcast. Call 401-584-9726. That number again, 401-584-WPAN. And we have a voicemail, as I alluded to last week, Brian. We have a voicemail. Let's take a listen. Hey, guys. uh, This is Randall Keough at Randall Keough on Twitter. Really love the show with Brian Fury. You know, you could almost hear how excited he was to be a guest trainer down there. Uh, Seems like everyone's doing something except for Crockett. He's not even watching the product. Uh, Speaking of which, I never thought I'd hear me say these words. When are we going to have a dirt sheet shuffle? i got to take a shower now. I feel so dirty. But seriously, man, no dirt seat shuffle. You guys got to get on the ball, man. Come on, Malonis has got to get his score up. Have a good one, guys. Keep up the great work. Goodbye. All right, so the dirt sheet shuffle. We got one person wondering where it's been. It's been awfully convenient that uh, yeah, I'm starting to pull close to 500, and the game just magically disappears. I mean, I was a little burned out coming up with it every week. We decided at one point to on the wrestling podcast about nothing feed to do the dirt sheet shuffle every week, or I decided I should say <laughs> to do the dirt sheet shuffle every week, and I kind of got burned out. It takes a lot of work to uh, get that thing together, as you know. Believe it or not, <laughs> we did that for about a little over a month, and 
the numbers didn't, uh, uh, from what I saw, the numbers didn't really say that uh, people enjoyed the shift in content. So we decided to go back to the old way of doing our Thursday podcast. And the Dirt Sheet Shuffle has not returned since then. Yeah, it's been a couple months now. I also want to point out here, Randall, uh, doing an excellent job calling out how everybody's doing something. Except for Mike Crockett. He's doing nothing. <laughs> What's Mike Crockett doing with his life? That's the name nothing. of the podcast. I'm the only one staying true to the concept. I think you may have something here. <laughs> I think it has to be here. Uh, yeah, so, um, oh, well. The Dirty Shuffle will return, Randall, just for you. Just for you. I'm not sure where it's going to be or when it's going to be. But, uh, you know, keep your ears peeled, as the uh, case may be, <laughs> for uh, the Dirt ears Sheet Shuffle peeled. coming up. Thank you, Randall, very much for your voicemail. And uh, we really appreciate your contributions, Randall. And we really want to hear some more. We want to hear from other people. So call right now before you forget. Become a part of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. That number again, 401-584-9726. 401-584-WPAN. Okay. Ryan, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does that BDA stand for? Brock departing at once? Well, that's close enough. Stories <laughs> all over the dirt sheets after Brock Lesnar apparently submitted himself for random testing again. And the fact that John Jones called him out at UFC 214 hasn't slowed down the rumor and innuendo. What does it all mean, Kingpin? Well, you know what it means. BDA Radio means the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. Feast on news about the beast at BDARadio.com. All right, Kingpin. It's time. It's promo about nothing time. And the year? 1999. The timing's a little uh, ironic that... Randall Keogh was just talking about our episode a couple of episodes back with Brian Fury, and we discussed this a little bit with him when talking about the promo about nothing, and we're, we're going there, Kingpin. I decided we're going there. All right. The pay-per-view was entitled The Heroes of Wrestling. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. One of the most infamous promo segments of all time, and it's a guy that just recently we were talking about how he's one of the best promos in the business. But you know, they can't all be winners. And uh, <laughs> this <laughs> was not this man's night. Yes, folks, it is Jake the Snake Roberts from Heroes of Wrestling. This week's promo about nothing. Thank you, gentlemen. Back here I have a man of legendary proportion, the man Jake the Snake Roberts. He is a man that you all recognize. He's a legend. Come on, Jake, get on in here. The folks want to hear from you. You know what I'm saying right now is this. You know, you're a casino. Everybody says, well, gosh, the casino, you should gamble. Let me tell you something, Hamble. You don't want to play cards with me because I'll cheat. Okay? I cheat. You want to play 21? I got 22. You want to play blackjack? I got two of those, too. You don't play 
aces and eights. Maybe I got too many O's too. Bottom line is this. You do not gamble with me. The only thing you should gamble is this. Listen to me. When you walk in a casino and you want to gamble, the main thing is you should realize this. To gamble, you must accept losing. I don't accept losing. And neither does Damien. Damien, my friend. My friend Damien is right here. You see Damien? Yeah, he just stuck his nice head out of him. pile of snake, huh? Oh. You don't want to see this, do you? Well, Let me I show you something. Yeah, that's Let okay, me show you something. No, I think what, Anvil? Go ahead, Anvil. Roll the dice. Mr. Cameraman, get your ass back up here. Hello? I'm talking to you. Get the camera back up here. That is not what you need to worry about, Anvil. Because the bottom line is this. When the DDT comes, then the snake comes out. Worry about the DDT. 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 Think about it. A man of his word, Jake the Snake Roberts. Back to ringside. Think about it, Kingpin. Think about it. <laughs> you know what my biggest takeaway from the promo itself is? What's that? Absolutely wasted, and he's still better at promos than like 90% of the guys who wrestle. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the, the concept is there that, you know, you have to accept losing when you're gambling, but, you know, I don't accept losing. They're at a casino. So, yeah, the base is there. The the skeleton is there, but the the flesh that goes over that was uh, rotten. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is obviously the not one of the better days uh, in the career of Jake the Snake Roberts. And the good news is, and, and it's a good thing in general because wrestling stories don't always have a happy ending. But Jake is having a happy ending. Well, oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> Jake's story. Oh, okay has a happy ending to it and and he, he's clean he's in the wwe hall of fame i believe he does one-man comedy shows it's really awesome to see that jake roberts was able to to get his life together uh before it was too late and you know be celebrated now for the great performer that he was during his career yeah and we talked about this with brian fury and i mean now that it seems like, you know, he's on the right path and he's been clean for a while now. So it seems a little more, um, it seems okay to go back and look at this in hindsight with the benefit of time. And, you know, like I said, he's been clean for a while now. So I, I, I feel a little more comfortable. At the beginning of this podcast, when we first started, I was a little iffy on going to this one. But uh, things are a lot better now for Mr. Roberts. It's, <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part is not what he's rambling on about, but how they were looking for anything to distract you from what's going on. Like, yeah, yes. at, at one point, they just cut away from the from the interview to show a chick with uh, you know looked like she had no bra on in the crowd. Yes, very like, uh, very buxomy uh, yeah. woman. <laughs> look over here! Hey, look over here, folks! <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, titties! <laughs> yes. And then they they push in on the snake in the bag for literally thirty seconds <laughs> while Jake is talking. Just they're showing Damien like in the back. <laughs> There's nothing going on. But uh, yeah, anything. Anything to not uh, anything to take your mind off of 
this nonsense that's going on with uh, with our buddy Jake the Snake. <laughs> Maybe they should have just cut the audio, but uh, well, I guess probably most of all they should have uh, stopped him from going to the ring. But he did. But he did go to the ring after this that night. Yes, he um, did. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I did watch uh, some of this. He came out to the ring, and he, he forced a woman to rub his tits, speaking of tits. Um, he simulated jerking off using uh, Damien as, the, as the, uh, the phallus, if you will. <laughs> oh, now, now you're cleaning it up? Yes. <laughs> he basically tongue-kissed the snake while lying prone in the ring, and this is all before the opening bell. So you can imagine what kind of match... It wasn't even, it's not even so much funny as it is sad. Very, yeah. very sad. And, and like I said, the good thing is now we can look back at it with context and say, hey, this guy got his, got his life together. This guy is clean and sober and in shape and healthy and is a success story once again. So, um, Thank God for DDP. Yeah, but between things like that and, and beyond the mat and... You know, I, th- I think the the worry was always maybe the Jake the Snake story wasn't going to have a happy ending to it, but thankfully he's doing great, and that's that's awesome. Yes, and you have heard this promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode on the NAI Wrestling Network. Okay, Kingpin, you're hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler. And I think you got dates. Yes. This Friday night, Mike, I'm heading to Danvers, Massachusetts for Chaotic Wrestling. Oh, by the way, also in attendance, the Ring of Honor World Champion Cody Rhodes and the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. Cody who? Uh, Cody Rhodes. Okay. (laughs) We'll be there. Uh, And then uh, the following week, Mike, August the 12th, Saturday night, I'm heading to Southwick, Massachusetts. Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling. Is this where you're taking on those dastardly closers? Yes, as talked about on the Fenway episode, it'll be myself and Wrecking Ball Ligurski versus the closers for the PvP Tag Team Championships. And then the week after that, Mike, a big chaotic weekend, Friday night, the 18th of August, heading to Hudson, excuse me, not Hudson, scratch that, Hanover. Got to get my H's straight. <laughs> Hanover, Massachusetts for Chaotic's debut at Starland Family Recreation Center. And I believe on, the, on this event will be Carlito and Billy Gunn. That's and cool. And then the next night, Mike, is a big one. Lowell, Massachusetts, the Lasher Park, Chaotic Wrestling, Night of Grand Slams. In attendance for this one, Warbeard Hansen, Ryback, Ted DiBiase, Billy Gunn, Carlito, Brodus Clay, Chavo Guerrero. And myself, the Kingpin Brian Malonis. Most of all. <laughs> yes. The reason why everybody's going to buy a ticket. There you go. <laughs> and that's it? That's it for now, buddy. I got to get going, man. I, unlike you, I got bookings. I got dates. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, if you want to add more dates to the Kingpin's calendar, brianmalonis.comcast.net is the email, or you can DM him on Twitter, at Brian Malonis. Before we get out of here, Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. Our buddy Mike Mills, they do two podcasts a week over there, the Sunday Smoky Mountain Wrestling Show, and on Thursday, that's their flagship show. Both of them available on the same feed, Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcasts, or go to mikemills.podbean.com. Checking the boots. Just had their one-year anniversary, Kingpin. Congratulations to Chip and Tony on one year of Checking the Boots. You can hear their anniversary podcast Anyway, you get your podcast. I'm gonna see Tony. I'm gonna see Tony today. Well, yesterday by the time this drops, but on Sunday afternoon, I'm gonna see Tony today. So you can congratulate him in person then. I leave the ass kissing to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>
There you go. Make sure to check out Check in the Boots wherever podcasts are available. And our buddies at the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, Jason and Adam and their cast of thousands over there. They are moving to Wednesdays where they do their weekly show about Raw, SmackDown, and all the news. And also there's the Rundown Sit-Downs with the Kingpin, Demon Ortiz, and many others. It's all in the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Google Play Music, Podomatic, all those places for the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. And thank all you to all those things. guys. <laughs> all those things. <laughs> Thanks to all those guys for their assistance in getting the word out about the wrestling podcast about nothing. And of course, we hope you continue to listen to the NAI Wrestling Network all week long. DC and Doc Talk, The Pipe Bomb with McCool and Company, Rant with Ant, Late Night Liam, Indie Pop, and probably never The Inside Perspective <laughs> with Scotty Slate. <laughs> if you want to and Jamie Jamikowski, right? I, I guess so. I guess Those so. Those guys are killing it <laughs> each and every episode. <laughs> it's dead, yes. If you, if you want to support by, our efforts. By it, we mean the inside perspective. <laughs> yes. If you want to support our efforts, the best way to do so is buying our T-shirt. Pick up the Curtain Jerker WPAN T-shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com slash NewAgeInsiders or visit Facebook.com slash the WPAN. Hit that big blue Shop Now button. It will take you directly to our shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. Be a fashion plate. Wear the Curtain Jerker WPAN T-shirt. We really appreciate it. Okay, folks, we are back on Thursday with the wrestling podcast about nothing on BDA Radio. Just search WPAN on your favorite podcatcher or go to BDARadio.com for more. Then join us in one week next Monday here for the WPAN on the New Age Insiders Wrestling Network, episode 68. Until then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko and thanks for nothing. <laughs>